Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for Sunday, November 22nd, 2020, episode 150. Whoa, that is exciting. It's not uh, the sexiest of milestones, but it is cool. Nonetheless, my name is Quinn Furness, and this is my show, and I am excited to be coming to you live. Hello, YouTube. Hello, Facebook. Hello, Instagram. Hello, Snapchat, Twitter, Parlor, Grinder, wherever you are tuning in live from. We are happy to see you. I feel like a church service right now, broadcasting. We just need to get a Zoom link going. I tell you what, I don't know if I'm the only one, probably, but I, I have like liked a number of church pages on Facebook that um, I was once involved with. So, I mean, we've got, you know, Rock Church from Rockford, Illinois going. They always have a Sunday morning live stream. I was tuning into uh, Pastor Jared Katke's sermon a little bit earlier today, and boy, the music has really gone downhill at Rock Church. We've also got the Cherry Valley United Methodist Church, where Scott Farrell was once the choir director. It is less exciting now because Scott has moved out to Seattle. According to his Twitter, he is not enjoying himself. That's a shame. Uh, we've got the Live in Testimony House of Worship on the west side of uh, Chicago where I was uh, the worship leader, worship pastor for three weeks. Big time money. And, uh, boy, we've got Audacious Praise, Lonnie Norwood Jr. Um, down on the south side of Chicago, Englewood style. So there's just a lot, lot of streams and feeds to keep track of. And I feel like this might be the holiest of all. This is my show, Quinn David Furnace presents the Beantown Podcast. And we are very excited. We've got an action-packed day today, um, although I promise it's not going to be quite as long as last week. You know, we started the New England road trip four weeks ago. This is part four, the finale to our trip. And I said at the outset, you know, we're going to try to keep these installments brief. And we did really well. The first one was like 30 minutes. And then the next one was like 40-ish. And then last week was over an hour, which was crazy. But, man, we just had so much to get through, Um, not to mention recapping the uh, new housewives of Salt Lake City um, season premiere. So we're, we're going to be, you know, bopping in on that, checking in on the ladies of Park City and Provo and all the other places in uh, Utah where they hail from. And then, uh, you know, we've got a couple other things to, to touch on here and we'll re- we recap, finish recapping uh, the New England road trip. Uh, thanks to all who have followed us in that journey. If you missed the first couple parts, uh, you might be wondering, well, Quinn, I, I subscribe to you on YouTube. I follow you. Where has it been? Um, you know, you, you know this by now. We kind of pop in and out of YouTube. Um, you know, we don't have our, it's not every single episode of the Beantown Podcast is not on there and certainly not even most. Um, but you can always find the latest Beantown Podcast episodes just because it only pops up on YouTube, you know, once a month or so doesn't mean we're not still, um, you know, coming to you live every single week. So you can find those, um, you know, usually if you check in on my Facebook on a Monday morning or something, it's pretty easy to find the link. But honestly, if you just um, go to beantownpodcast.com, 
the newest episode will always be right there on the homepage. Um, it's automatically updated. I don't even have to do anything. You can also follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or whatever your podcast app is. That's the easiest way. Um, my promise to you, until you hear from us differently, we make a big announcement, although hopefully that will never happen. Um, we've, we've got a new episode coming to you. Every Monday morning, you wake up, get your cup of joe, and you're going to have a new Beantown podcast from over the weekend. Sometimes we record earlier in the week. Sometimes we record later in the week. Um, and then on very, very rare occasions, if it's a, you know, a three-day weekend, on a, you know, stretching into a Monday, we'll record on the Monday. But that has only happened a handful of times, if that. So uh, episode number 150, that's very exciting. We only have, after this, what, four or five more um, you know, shows uh, coming up. In the calendar year before we get ready for a year three recap, and I see in the live stream we've got a comment from Jess from Britain. Hello. Good to see you. Uh, it's probably, what, uh, late afternoon, early evening in Britain. Sun's, sun's going down, so uh, hope everything is going well there. Sorry I missed uh, tea time. That's something that I think they have in Britain. I don't know. It is good to see, though, that we are going international. You know, um, it's, it's tough because the Beantown podcast, as far as I know, has not really been translated into any other languages. We need uh who was that first guy who translated the the Bible into German or something so that the Lutherans could read it? Uh Cal not Calvin. I don't remember who it was. Someone in the comments do a little uh it is dark. Yes, so we're just reading the streams here. Jess, if you want I'm gonna put you to work. If you want to look up who translated the the Bible into German, that Guten, Gutenberg that's off the top of my head. Is that right? I, I that's like a that's like a hundred twenty five thousand dollar question on who wants to be a millionaire. So I am going straight to the bank. Um, but yeah, I think you know we we um, we played trivia with a guy from where is he from Saskatchewan or Manitoba or something like that a couple of years ago, and I was really hoping that by imparting my uh seed upon him when he went back from Baltimore to you know Saskatchewan or wherever he was from that it was going to spread like wildfire in Canada but I think it's not densely populated enough out there in the uh the prairie provinces or farmlands not sure I don't recall but um so Canada's still work in progress but hey I tell you what if we could hit the the Taiwan market or you know maybe get a an olympic sponsorship or something since you know china and its subsidiaries china are hosting three straight olympics and i was talking to rachel about this uh you know 2 days ago freaking beijing you know it's not it's not a secret anymore it's been that we've known this for many years up to this point but they host in 2008 and 2022 i mean Give me a break. Share the wealth. Man, um, has that ever happened before where you have one city that hosts within 14 years twice? That just is absurd. Um, listener discretion is advised when you're listening to the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible. Just says Martin Luther. Um, that's a that's a good answer. Um, that might be right. You know, we're going to have to go to the research team after this. I think Martin Luther was big for, uh, for the, you know, 95 theses nailed to the, the door of the church. Um, and then at some point before or after 
I think there was someone else. It's it's like Gutenheim, Gutenberg, something like that, um, in 1522. Is that right, 1522? I thought it was a different year than that. But maybe you're, you know, we're getting live information. Uh, we are, I, I love this. So having this dialogue, having this discussion, conversation with the fans. Um, Jess, thank you so much for your contributions to today's episode. Remember, go to beantownpodcast.com uh, for all of our latest updates and uh, news items and podcasts. Um, so uh, first things first, tonsillitis watch part, what, four? Knock on wood. Still healthy. The tonsils are in pristine condition, and things are getting scary now because in early November, you know, fans of the podcast know historically, early November is not the problem. We have never had tonsil issues in early November. It's once we creep up uh, towards Thanksgiving proper when the issues start. You know, two years ago, right around now was when it when it started. I remember just that the pain was crazy, and I went into Thanksgiving, and I was at my aunt, uh, Auntie Anna's house uh, near Wilmington, Delaware, and um, it was just the worst because, you know, you're there, you're with family, you don't get to see very often, and, you know, you want to be peppy, upbeat, have conversations, just be a normal person because my least favorite thing, maybe not my least favorite thing, but one of my least favorite things in addition to tonsillitis is when you're sick and you get a whole bunch of, you know, the the sympathy going on, which at its core, okay, that just shows that you have people who love you and care about you. So that's great. But what really is tough when it's always like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Can I get you everything every, you know, every five minutes or so? Because I just don't want to be a burden. I don't want to burden others. And on top of that, when you have tonsillitis, you don't want to be talking. You, I, I just, you know, I remember that Thanksgiving two years ago where I was just like, I wasn't really in any pain if I didn't have to talk or swallow or be awake. But if I had to do anything, you know, other than those things, it was just really painful. So it was tough to kind of put on a brave face. And I don't think I even ever told anyone other than maybe my brother um, who was there with me that I was, you know, in extraordinary pain because I didn't want it to be like everyone asking, Quinn, how are you feeling? Quinn, how are you doing? Not that it's, you know, I really appreciate them. I love them for that. But that's just a lot when you have to respond and your throat is like the size of a pea in terms of the opening. Um, Last year, it was literally um, that... (laughs) On the the car ride home from Thanksgiving dinner, I started to feel a throat problem. And then it was just like a, a little bit of a sore throat, but the tonsil hadn't gotten inflamed. And then I think on like Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, um, you know, we, we had a, a, a long work day and I started to feel feverish. And then I think that this is a iconic B-Town episode. You can go back about a year um, where I, I told the story of doing the focus group, the taste test. Um which I, I've done tons and tons of focus groups in my life. Rarely, if ever, I think I've only done one or two taste tests. Um, they're usually just like marketing, packaging, that sort of thing. But this was a some sort of spicy popcorn. I think it's Doritos, and they've actually rolled it out now. It's either Doritos or, oh, man, some other snack food company has, has gotten into the popcorn game. Uh, and this is what this was for. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but I realized after I saw an ad for this maybe a month ago and I realized, oh, that was packaging that I commented on. Um, 
and it was it was spicy popcorn. So you add that to the fact that the the room was actually legitimately hot. Everyone was sweating, which I don't know why that was necessary. Just an overreaction to the cold outside. I ended up yada 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 taking the train home. Had to get off at Addison to puke, and then I was bedridden for the next two days, which was fun. Um, speaking of uh, packaging, and I'm looking in the the chat here, Jess. I have never been to Manchester. No, I I have not been to the UK. Um, Manchester would be cool. Um, Scotland, I think, is like my number one. I really want to go there. I'm a big fan of uh, you know train spotting, Ewan McGregor, etc. So Scotland, um, you know, out of all places in the in the UK is where I really want to go first. But obviously, I would love to have time to to see lots of different places. But um, the only other thing I'll mention before we jump into uh, Desperate Housewives here is. I don't, you've probably seen, if you've watched any TV lately, but there's a new Call of Duty game, uh, Cold War, I think is what it's called, and I, it, I started seeing the ads heavily for it, you know, a month ago or so, and I realized I did a focus group for them as well. And I remember, you know, they were like seeing the commercials more or less that we were shown like this time a year ago, um, and it was just cool to kind of see, you know, some of my... Yeah, it's not like my feedback was the only thing that they got and took into consideration. But some of the things that I, you know, suggested or felt or or said, oh no, you should maybe consider this, were incorporated into um, at least their their advertising and, and marketing campaign. So obviously, I haven't played the game, uh, and I, I won't. I think I've played a total of ninety minutes of Call of Duty in my entire life. But um, yeah, it was kind of cool to see the commercials, you know, be things that you've impacted and, and you've, you know, given feedback on and suggested. That's just kind of a neat little thing. Not that I'm getting paid. No paid uh, Call of Duty partnership here, unfortunately. But everyone's talking about the PS5. Um, I think in college we had we had PS3, I think is what we played, and that felt pretty cool, pretty pretty new to me. So, man, between PS5s and what iPhone is up to, what? 12 right now i think i'm rocking a six are they going to skip 13 is it going to be like the hotels where you skip the 13th floor because it's unlucky tbd someone will have to ask tim apple see what he says about that Uh, i see in the chat just says i've driven to glasgow um yeah i mean it can't be can't be too far uk is pretty small right probably what like five six hours something like that um that's cool yeah i'd like to go to glasgow i'd like to go to uh, edinburgh um among other places um Let's jump into our, our planned material here, and it's I use the term planned very loosely um, because I'm just going off the top of my head with what happened in this past week of Desperate Housewives of Real Salt Lake. Um, so what did the episodes come out on Wednesday nights on Bravo? I think I saw it Thursday night. So to recap, from last week, we had the season premiere, and there are six ladies, two blondes, two brunettes, and... I guess, excuse me, one African-American, one kind of Tongan and Taiwanese combo. I, I don't I don't recall the full thing. Tagalog, something like that. Tagalog's not an ethnicity. It's a language. Dummy. Um, so we have, and I, I, <laughs> I think I've got the names down now. We, there's Meredith, who was like originally my favorite. Blonde, has had a lot of work done. Looks like the youngest. Not sure if she is, but seems pretty level-headed. She's the one who has the dad who is a drug addict, and he has just the worst hair I've ever seen in my life. And then the other blonde is her cousin, Heather, who looks very scary. But as of this episode, Heather is my favorite because she just seems like the most grounded, the most normal. Those are the two blondes. The two brunettes are um, 
Lisa, who I didn't really know much about. Lisa's pretty bitchy, and she owns three different tequila lines, I think. I think that's Lisa. And then there's also um, the other one. Oh, shoot. What's her name? We're going to have to Google it. Um, and then you have – wait, is, is Meredith the one I like? No, Meredith is the other – Meredith is the other brunette. And Meredith has the son Brooks, I think, although we found out that the, the blonde who I originally liked has a son, too, named Brooks, who is less of a personality. He's also, like, eight years old. Um, man, what is what are these girls' names, these ladies' names? I really thought that I I liked Meredith, but that's not, Meredith is not a blonde. Meredith is a brunette. Um, okay, there's Heather. Uh Jen, Mary, those are the two ones we haven't got to. Whitney, that's okay. Whitney, like the Pokemon gym leader from Gen 2. Whitney is a blonde. Whitney and Heather are cousins. Meredith is a brunette. And then you have Jen Shaw, who is married to a like an assistant football coach at uh, you know Utah, University of Utah. And then you have Mary who is African-American. She's the one who's a preacher at a Pentecostal church and married her own grandfather, which is just yikes. So we pick up the episode. They're still at this party from last week, and there's just a lot of moving, a lot of grooving, and you know they kind of circle back to um, this Mary and Jen feud where Jen said that Mary said that she smelled like hospital, but Jen had just come from her aunt getting a double amputation. And Mary said that she can't stand the smell of hospitals because one time she was getting Botox on her armpits and she died twice on the operating table, which I didn't even know you could die from armpit surgery, but apparently you can. So I will not be getting armpit surgery. And then we kind of show a flashback to this other time at the party that was shown briefly in the first episode where Lisa is like walking past. And I don't know if it was Heather or Meredith. I don't really remember, but she like just kind of says hi and, and just moves quickly past to me. It's like whatever, but apparently it's some big thing. And then we kind of jump back to the present at the end of this party. And you have Whitney, the blonde who I used to be my favorite. Now she's my second favorite. Cause Heather, her cousin is my favorite. Whitney is talking to, I think it's Lisa, And apparently for Whitney's wedding vow renewal with her husband, who's like 20 years older than her, and, you know, she had slept with him when she was originally married because he was her boss and is a super sexy, sultry kind of thing. Um, And Whitney's apparently had used Lisa's, like, in-house bartenders or something for her vow renewal. And according to Whitney, the bartenders were really tipsy and just, like, not super professional which I think is a, a perfect and, – and Whitney wasn't, like, accusatory. She so just wanted to let Lisa know, like, hey, just so you know, these staff members, like, it wasn't a great experience. So if you want to take care of it on your own in-house, you can. And Lisa blew up, got super mad at Whitney, which to me just felt very out of line because Whitney's not, like, asking for reparations or being accusatory or anything. She's just letting Lisa know, like, hey, if you want to handle this on your own, just letting you know this is the experience I had. It's like leaving a Yelp review but in person. Anyway, so that went down. And then there's some you know minor stuff happening. They kind of go their own ways. We find out that you know Meredith, I think it is, at, is married to this one guy. 
He's working in Chicago, and I'm pretty sure he has a double family. Maybe his name is Chris. I don't really remember. Anyways, they go out to supper, and there it's just like a shocking revelation. Apparently, they are separated, which I don't think had been revealed up until this point, and they're talking about like dating other people and it's just this whole big thing and it's just very dramatic and we don't really understand the relationship, but definitely at first it was like, maybe Chris has a secret family, but maybe that we were just like wondering here, but now it's like, Oh, he definitely has a secret family in Chicago because they're not even together. They're separated. I think they're, they're legally still married, but like not even Brooks could keep that family together. And then we, uh, they're the, like the big final set piece, although it wasn't even that exciting. They all go on a ski trip. So you have Whitney and Heather, who are cousins, and Meredith. They all go to the top of the double-decker Black Diamond Double D. And I think they're all good skiers. Um, for I think they're all native U- Utonians. I'm not sure. Um, but they're skiing. And then you have Mary shows up, who is definitely the worst one. This is the girl, the, the lady who is... Is the preacher at a Pentecostal church and she married her own grandpa, which is just gross. And she shows up in like Gucci and she's wearing some sort of raccoon on her head and she doesn't know how to ski. And so her and Jen and Lisa um, are like doing the bunny hill and trying to flirt with their ski instructors, but it's really not that exciting. Anyways, they have a fun day on the powder. And in the last scene, they all go to dinner, the six of them, plus two friends who we didn't really get any introduction to. And they don't really have any screen time or lines or personality. But then Whitney confronts Lisa. It's kind of Whitney and Heather who are cousins again, the two blondes. They confront Lisa about how Lisa was very aggressive and competitive combative and apparently threatening combative c-o-m-b-a-t-i-v-e um when whitney was just trying to share with lisa that the bartenders that she kind of like gave her for her wedding vow renewal i don't know didn't do a great job and lisa was out of line and being like oh well you're like you shouldn't complain this is my gift to you well you gave me pretty shitty bartenders apparently like there's broken glass everywhere they were drinking on the job which is just like not an okay thing to do apparently i guess it's a utah thing i don't know um but then there's this whole big table blow up and you still have mary trying to like stir up the Okay, we're we're back on GarageBand, not SoundCloud. YouTube never cut out. I apologize. I don't know exactly how much we missed on GarageBand, but we were just recapping, you know, Desperate Housewives of Salt Lake City. They're at this dinner, and Mary's still trying to stir up this whole hospital thing, which is just stupid, but she's also not the center of attention on this on this particular drama because now it's like Lisa versus Heather and Whitney, and then Meredith is kind of just like there too, and Jen is just kind of there too. Um, you know, she's not really interested in Mary's BS anymore. And then you have these two other friends as well who are just kind of sitting there, and the servers are just kind of like coming around with drinks occasionally. And finally, Lisa like says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's clearly not like genuine. And Lisa's kind of just I don't know. Not a doesn't seem like a kind person. She's got an attitude. She feels much more like New Jersey East Coast than any of these other ladies. Um, so here, here's sort of where we left it. Like, I think Heather's my new favorite, even though she's very scary looking. 
she's like pretty normal, pretty grounded. Um, and then you have Whitney, who has got a lot of done, work done, but I think looks the best. Um, she, so those are the two blondes. They're cousins. They're pretty grounded, pretty normal, even though Whitney was the one who had the sultry affair with her boss, and now they're married for you know 20 years or whatever. And then you have Meredith, who has the husband issue. Husband has a secret family, and her son is Brooks. But she seems pretty, like, fine and okay, too. Then you have Jen Shaw, who's, like, a little bit too dolled up for my taste. But she's the one who's, like, half Tonganese and half Taiwanese or or Filipino or something like that. She seems okay. Um, And then you have my two least favorites, who are Lisa, who is a brunette and just very rude and not kind. And then you have Mary, who is married to her grandpa and she is just the worst. Attitude problem, wore a, you know, a mink on her head to go uh, alpine or downhill skiing, and it's just, uh, she's the worst. So that's a recap of episode two of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors here, Home Pride Oregon. Uh, when you need your home inspected right now, even on Sundays, by appointment only, you can call Steve at 541-410-0316 and he'll get you taken care of right away. Speaking of getting taken care of, if you need a fun haircut, I got a magazine that was, it was one of those things where it's, you know, so-and-so's name at my address or current resident. So I'm like, well, this could be for me. Um, and I open it up. It's a bunch of wigs. I don't remember ex- who the company was or, you know, whatever. I'd never gotten a piece of mail like this specifically. Um, but it was, you know, some interesting ideas for some new cuts, new styles. Um, you know, to, to I'm trying to expand outside of just bowl cuts, buzz cuts, and fades. Um and beehives and bangs and all that fun stuff. So if you need a cut this holiday season, call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200, and we'll get you taken care of right away. The Samson Q2U series has got crisp, clear, and clean audio quality, and uh, it has made it through 150 episodes, which is pretty exciting. You know, I've, I haven't thought really of upgrading um and it'd be tough to leave samson behind because they've been such a faithful partner with us even though they don't know it um but i I tell you what we got some money now it might be worth investigating upgrading to a, a a new microphone in the future not so much because that samson isn't doing the job because i think you can hear it the quality's been good the last 150 episodes here on the beantown podcast um but you know, just something a little, a little bit more high tech. And this microphone, you know, for what it's worth, it, it's solid, but it, you know, no real bells or whistles. Um, and it's not like, it's not new anymore, right? It's it's pretty pretty worn down, pretty well used. Um, it's still good though. You know, if this was like super low budget and we had zero money coming in, then we'd just stick with it and be fine. But you know, we've got some money to play around with. Maybe we'll check it out. We'll think about it. it might be a twenty twenty one project in fact it definitely will be uh if if we decide to pursue it so thanks to our sponsors and then jack links i know that you're working with peter kraus former bachelorette contestant in madison wisconsin because i'm still keeping tabs on his instagram i dm'd him like a month ago and he left me on red which is very rude um and then cafe du chateau hey you still have eight days to go to cafeduchateau.net, use code Q.QueenD. That's Q, then a period, and then Queen D. 
just the letter D, um, for 20% off your French press order. We just had some yesterday morning again. Um, super tasty, super scrumptious, and thanks to Chef Rach for, or Barista Rach, I don't know what her formal title is, what she prefers, TBD, um, for making the coffee for us yesterday morning. It was a delish before I had to work. Um, <laughs> I, I made a fun, um, uh, like opening PowerPoint slide, the titular slide, titular, what a great word, T-I-T-U-L-A-R, titular. Um, that was not real for anyone wondering who saw my Instagram story or my Facebook post, it was titled, I pity the fool who doesn't know how to write a personal statement. I ran a personal statement workshop yesterday on zoom as part of a larger, uh, organized virtual um, open house for, for work yesterday. And, uh, that ended up not making it to the final cut of the PowerPoint, but it would have been fun. Uh, boy, Jess, Jess has just got some wild comments here in the, the live chat. Thank you for tuning in. My car is a 2013 Vauxhall V-A-U-X-H-A-L-L Astra VXR, and it still looks new. I don't know if we have that car in the, in the States we don't, I'm not a car expert. I considering I've never owned a car before. Um, I know my basic GMCs, Chryslers, Fords, Chevys, Hondas, Acuras, Lexus, Nexus, Hyundai, Toyota. I worked, I worked with a girl at Target for a hot second whose name was Toyota, I think, T-Y-O-T-A, Toyota. Pretty fun. Um, it is part four of the New England road trip, and it has been an exciting adventure, um, leading us up to the finale. Which I think, I think this, la- I think last week's part, part three, was probably like the most action-packed, had the most things to talk about. Um, although the pediatrician's office <laughs> in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, was pretty exciting too. Uh, part four. Not that it's not exciting, because if it wasn't, I wouldn't talk about it, but it's it's a little bit more straightforward. My stays were good. Um, I didn't do anything crazy with food. Um, but let's jump into it here. I've got, I haven't actually reviewed these notes, which is, <sighs> sums up the level of preparation that we've put into the previous 149 episodes um, here on the Beantown Podcast. But let me pull up my notes that I took. And I believe when we left off last time, uh, we had just checked in. Oh, that's not what I wanted. We had just checked in um, to our place in New Hampshire, right? Uh, which we talked about the uh, Riverview Lodge. Is that what it was called? With the crazy lady who had uh, it was you know hate crime and all that stuff had to pay off ten thousand dollars or whatever it was. Um, and the smell of this place and it was just it covered covered Bridge Lodge, Riverview Lodge. I don't remember. Anyway, so we wake up early. The plan. And I think I had mentioned this briefly. It's not a significant detail, but the, the the plan was to hike a mountain that I had been given a recommendation from. So when I had I was finishing the day before, which is Wednesday. Oh man, I'm getting yeah Wednesday, because then we had Thursday, and then Friday, and then we flew out Saturday. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so Wednesday, we were hiking Vermont's third tallest peak, Camel's Hump. And on the way back down, just very close to the parking lot, we ran into this guy who kind of had like a Bradley Whitford look going on, which I watched a movie last night. Oh, there's 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 three things I want to say. Um, 
two and a half things before we continue on with the story that I meant to say in the first half. Um, this one I didn't even mean to say. I just thought of it now. I watched a movie last night called Other People, which I didn't know anything about. Um, it, from 2016, and it's Jesse Plemons and um, Molly Shannon and Bradley Whitford. It's really good. Um, very sad. I mean, the premise is a mom is diagnosed with cancer and she's surrounded by her family members as she slowly transitions. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't even actually know that, that that was the premise before I started, which usually I know what I'm getting myself into. And so it was one of those things where <sighs> there were times when I couldn't be like a hundred percent focused on it. Cause I wasn't in the mood to get super emotional last night, but, uh, it's good. Um, you know, a good, it's not like the whole thing is super sad, you know, comedy, drama, uh, dramedy, if you will. Um, but you know, well acted, uh, kind of like hyper realistic, right? Like little vignettes of, you know, things that happen in life. So if you're looking for just like a solid, um, not, not like crazy sad watch, but you know, for people who have gone through it, like, yeah, you'll, you'll get emotional at times on uh, Cause I certainly did. Uh, but it's called Other People. It's on Netflix. It's from 2016, uh, and it's, it's good. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention, just uh, I'm, I've you know been getting back into some Arcade Fire recently. One of my favorite bands, but it's it's tough because you know a lot a lot of the bands that I'm into really haven't done much in the last like three or four years. Like Arcade Fire has been very quiet. Um, Portugal the Man has been very quiet. They both have had I think one new song this calendar year. Um, but I've been I've been digging into some Arcade Fire B sides, and they have a couple from um, the uh, oh, man the suburbs. I think the one I wanted to mention that I just love, like I've been listening to it, or there's two actually that I really like that I've I've been listening to a lot lately. That probably most casual fans, or even you know, because I didn't know about them, and I really love Arcade Fire until earlier this week. Um, I think you'd really like one is called Get Right. Um, and I'm just giving you some listening recommendations for songs that I'm really into. Um, Get Right, and then the other one is Speaking in Tongues. Both really good. Go check them out um, after you finish listening to this episode. We'll be done soon, I promise. Um, wow, Jess, is, Jess listened to mostly 1960s music. Well, Manchester, the Beatles, that makes sense. Um, Back to uh, the the road trip, though. On my way back down, I had ran into this Bradley Whitford-looking guy, and he was telling me, you know, about all these different recommendations because I told him I was looking to hike in the White Mountains on Thursday. And <laughs> I'm glad I, I just wrote down, like, the phonetic spellings of the sex, su- excuse me, the suggestions he gave me because what I wrote down when I typed in my phone and what how things are actually spelled was just, like, wild i'm not even exaggerating um one of them was the 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 way he said them was the bonds and i'm thinking like b bonds like b-o-n-s b-a-w-n-s bonds like james bond there's three mountains um which i wasn't i didn't i didn't do those um and then the other one because there it's a big big trip and this was i was going to hike in new hampshire and then drive all the way up to bangor which is like four hours so it's going to be a long day so i wanted a hike but not something crazy um the other one he mentioned which also i put into my phone as like s-h-a-k-u-r-a i think mount shakura <laughs> mount shakura and it's it's c-h-o-c O-U-R-A, Mount Shakura. 
Um, so I was going to try to do that one from the Champney Falls Trailhead. Uh, so I woke up early in Jackson, New Hampshire, and it's like a half-hour drive down to the trailhead, which is on the, and we talked about this last week, the Kangamangas, K-A-N-C-A, M-A-N-G-U-S, the Kangamangas um, Highway, which is just like a scenic drive through the, the lower um, you know, third of New Hampshire through the, you know, kind of bottom edge of the White Mountains. Um, and so I get there at like 6.30 a.m., something like that, um, right as the sun is rising and or before the sun is rising because this was pre-daylight savings time. And I get there and, you know, seasoned hikers or outdoors people will probably have a, a, a opinion or perspective on this but i get there in the parking lot of course there's no one there it's a thursday morning at 6 30 a.m and this it's very clearly posted you have to have a permit to park here and to hike here and i was just like i don't i don't know if i could have just like parked there hiked for you know six hours and been perfectly fine i don't know if i was going to be fined so i don't know if i was going to be fine or fined um I just don't know, you know, I don't know how these things work. And I, the thing is like, I, you know, it's like Newman and, and Kramer at the showerheads, you know, we, we got the cash, we'll pay up. But it's not like here's a, you know, a, a like a box where you can put in your cash. And I had the cash or, you know, an envelope of cash because I've seen that place. It's like you have to physically buy a permit from the state or, you know, from one of these locations or something like that. And it's like, well, these places aren't going to be open and I'm not going to drive 45 minutes away from here to spend $20 on this annual permit or whatever it was for this hike. And so I was like, man, I really want to do this, my Shakura, because uh, it was the perfect blend of like not just a tiny little mile loop or something, but also not like a full day, 12 mile up the mountain kind of hike thing, kind of like, uh, you know, Camel's Hump, although that turned out to be quite the expedition. So I made the judgment call, um, and I decided, you know, I just, I just, I, I'm not a super, like, I'm not a huge risk taker with this sort of thing. So I think I could have been fine, but I don't know. I got in my car and I decided, okay, we need a new game plan. So I drove back into town, um, to the Duncan parking lot. So you get free Wi-Fi. I did that. I lost track of how many times, whether or not I was actually getting coffee from my location, just sitting in the Duncan parking lot on their Wi-Fi. Um, that happened a lot on this trip. So I'm like, okay, I I have a long drive, like four hours total out to Bangor, and I need, but I've got the full day to do anything I want. I have to get into Bangor by like 6:30 at the latest because I have class at seven. Um, but it's like I got time to do that. So. The long story short is I, I research and I find um, a, a, a nice a, a nice medium size hike called Pleasant Mountain, which is like three miles out, three miles back. The elevation gain wasn't crazy, but it's it's kind of fun. The first part is very much like um, you know you're just like climbing over rocks and stuff, and it's pretty exposed, pretty open. But we had nice weather. It was maybe you know mid 40s um, and not super windy, which was nice. 
And then you kind of uh, you're kind of like all over the map in terms of where this trail is going. Um, but you you go up and down a little bit um, through the woods, and then you finally get to the top of Pleasant Mountain. And it, there's a cool little fire tower and some other things going on there. You have good views. Uh, it was a pretty clear day, so I could see off to the west because I had now driven into southwestern Maine. Um, so we were out of the White Mountains now um, to the east, about 50 miles or so, uh, 45 miles or so. And you could look off to the west. I think I identified which one was Mount Washington, but I really don't know, you know, the White Mountains hardly at all. Uh, but you can you could see all the peaks pretty clearly. It was it was neat, and that was a nice hike. You know, it, it took me like I don't know, maybe two hours to get up the mountain, and then like maybe half that to come back down. So it was it was short. It was nice. Anyways, I go out to Bangor. Um, you know, long day of driving. And this was, you know, I was staying with a lady and her boyfriend and they had a kid and I was just in their upstairs bedroom. Nothing really happened that night because I just had to teach my class for three hours. Um, so I was just, you know, doing that. And then I woke up early the next morning. I was thinking maybe I was going to run around Bangor. But then I decided because um, I wanted to do something along the main coast. And this is Friday. So my last full day. Um, and. I had gone back and forth. I had waffled. Do I want to pay the, I think, 35 entrance fee to Acadia? And it's like, Acadia would be so cool. But I decided, you know what? There's probably other hiking right along the main coast. Um, you know, that would be, I don't want to say just as good, but would be a, a fun, you know, hike, right? So I identify through my research the night before that I'm going to go to Great Wass Island again. Don't know my main pronunciation too well. Um, but I drive out to uh, Great Wass Island, and um, I <laughs> had a, a nice day. I got there pretty early. You know, it was maybe like a 90-minute drive from Bangor or something like that. So I had my Duncan, and it's this, like, this island that obviously connected um, that you, you can still drive onto it. Um, so it's not super remote. It's pretty close to New Brunswick, so I, I maybe you know— 30, 45 minutes or something from the, the northeastern edge of the United States, frankly. Um, but it's, you know, this nature preserve, you walk on a trail for like a mile um, from kind of the middle of the island out to the shore. You get to the coast, the beach, and it's a very rocky beach. Um, and so I was really cool, uh, or I was really excited. It was a nice day. It wasn't wasn't too bad. Very cloudy and a little windy, but in the in the trees, in the kind of interior of the island, it felt felt fine. Get out to the coast. I walk out because I'd really been practicing my my main accent. I'd been listening to a lot of talk radio, uh, Boston sports radio, uh, and then main radio. In addition to last week's, you know, Montreal French radio. Uh, and so I wanted to practice my accent, which I was practicing the whole time I was walking out to the, to the coast. Um, and so I was going to post a video on, on social media, which I ended up doing with my main accent imitation. Um, I walk out cause I wanted to be like, I want to do something fun, right? I don't just want to be on a random trail. I walk out into, you know, you're kind of like skipping, hopping from stone to stone. Some of them large, some of them, are, some of them small. Um, but I get out into, the ocean a little bit, not very far. I mean, we're talking like a hundred feet from shore or something like that from the, from the sand, the beach. And I'm out there for like two minutes. Cause I record this 10 second video. And I'm not even like posting it. I'll post it when I get back to Wi-Fi. Anyways, I finished recording. I turn around the stones, the rocks, 
the mini islands that I had hopped on to get to where I currently was in the ocean completely gone. The tide was coming in very fast, and I, I'm not really panic mode because there's no reason to panic. But I'm just like, there is no land <laughs> between me and the beach, which is, you know, maybe 30 yards away, something like that. And I assessed the situation, but I didn't want to really waste any time because the water is clearly just getting higher and higher. So I'm like, well, there, there's no way around this. So I hike up my pants and um, I waded through, you know, almost up to my knee, deep water back to the beach, which was very cold and very smelly the rest of my hike. But this was not the worst of my problems. The like middle portion of this trail on this island in this nature preserve, Great Wasp Island, is like a mile and a half along the beach, along the kind of rocky edge of, you know, the north the northeast kind of corner of this island. And at first it was you're just kind of like hopping around and it's okay, but I I sort of turned a corner and the wind patterns changed and the rain broke from above from the heavens and the wind was insane um and i was i was miserable uh it was also very scary because there are some portions with very like jagged rocks and you have to do some like scrambling and leaping over you know crevasses and things that i just am not super comfortable doing um and it just was, it was only a mile and a half, but I swear to God, it felt like five. It was so wet and so windy, and I was so cold, just frozen like a popsicle. Um, and the, the, the other thing I'll say is it might seem very, like, simple in terms of where to go, finding the trail, that sort of thing, because you're just sort of following the edge of the, the island, right? You're on the sort of edge of the island the rocks the, the beach etc but i didn't know exactly when it was going to turn back inland to get back to the parking lot um and it wasn't clearly marked and i didn't i did not want to be on this island for or on this you know edge of this island for any longer than i had to be because it was just it, i can't stress how upsetting it was i was miserable finally after what felt like forever, it was probably like an hour, you know, battling the conditions, but I, you turn back inland and then it's like another mile back through the woods to the parking lot. And that was fine. But just with having the, the soggy feet smelling like lobsters and ocean and the occasional like leap across a, a, you know, a gigantic hole in the rocks, um, on very slippery and sharp rocks with the wind just blasting you and rain in your face, man, it was, that was a tough one. It went from like, oh, this is a pleasant little nature preserve to holy crap, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here real fast. If you've never seen that show, Patty Blagojevich, classic. She should have won, not Lou Diamond Phillips. So uh, I decide, you know, I, I got to work my way back to Portland. I'm, I'm kind of working my way down the main coast then. I do drive to, um, you know, Bar Harbor, uh, which is where Acadia is on, what's, what's it called? 
Great Desert Island, something like that. Um, so I kind of just drove around, didn't really get out to do anything. You know, it's kind of like a summer town, as you would expect. Um, but actually, my friend uh, and former roommate, Sam Anderson, went out there with his family um, this past week, and it looks like he had a nice time. The pictures were nice. Uh, but I keep working my way, way back down. I end up... Um, I'm going to drive to New Brunswick, not New Brunswick, just Brunswick, Maine, um, where my cousin Deji is uh, a professor. And on the way down there, you know, I was listening to a lot of different radio things, but just the one thing, um, and I don't remember remember a lot about this, but I'll just mention it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, occasionally I'll find like the Jesus channel and you get some really good, like you get a combination of sermons, but then like the old school things that were made in the 70s, like stories that are made by old white guys um with fun different voices and you know you get the kid actors and stuff there is this one story that was about uh, apparently sacrificial gifts and the story is essentially you have these two kids and they have this dog and it's their best friend and there's this old man who lives in the spooky house at the end of the street up on the hill and the old man like asks them to buy their dog, which is obviously like, no, you, we're not going to sell you our dog. But then the kid's mom is like, don't you remember what you learned about in church about sacrificial gifts and how in order to serve and love the Lord, you have to make big sacrifices sometimes? And so the kids are like, well, I guess our big sacrifice is we have to sell our dog to old man Crowder or whatever this guy's name is. And so they sell this guy his, their dog, which is just like the sad, and they're super sad. And I'm just like, this, this is like a cult. We can't, you can't put this on the air. And it's a kind of happy ending. They, it, the, the, you know, the old man, change of heart, home alone ending, ending, whatever, like, oh, I see your the, the children are sad without their dog. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. So he's going to give their dog back. But then the mom, okay, the mom is a real villain in this story because then she's like, well, you, you can't just give it back because you paid them money for it. But maybe if they work for you, slave labor, then eventually after a year or something, then they'll have made enough, you know, granted minimum wage for 12 year olds was 35 cents an hour back in the seventies when this was made. Um, then after a year or something, then maybe the, you can give them the dog back cause they'll have earned it. And that, that's the story. And this wasn't like a joke. This is something that people are actually like producing and consuming. I was just shocked. I mean, this is one of the worst things I've ever heard. Anyways, I heard that on the radio. Shocking. Um, met up with my cousin. We had some tea and uh, connected. That was nice. Anyways, um, I get get to Portland, which was a really nice uh, Airbnb spot. I was just in this um, older couple's like their basement was was a private basement that had everything I wanted and uh, just kind of chilled out there. Um, other, other stuff I could say, but not super important. Had some really good pizza. Leonardo's pizza in Portland, Maine came in with zero expectations. 10 out of 10 would recommend. It was fantastic. Best pizza I had on the trip. Um, wake up the next morning, it's Saturday morning and it's like a two hour drive to Boston. I go down there. Everything's fine. Return the rental car. 
get on the plane. The only crazy thing that happened, I had to connect in Atlanta. And, you know, I'm back in like 27D or something. And going out, uh, you know, I had two two flights uh, with a layover in Detroit. And it was a very orderly boarding and off-boarding, off-loading, deplaning process. People were, you know, not doing this stand-up thing and rush to the front. You know, they're like they over the intercom. It's like, please, six feet apart. And going out to Boston at the start of the trip, everyone was following the rules. It was beautiful. It was, this is what society could be like. Coming back, I mean, it happened to a minor extent in Chicago on the second half of my leg, but I get to Atlanta, and I'm close, like middle of the plane. So I <laughs> we, we, we land. We get to our gate, and just from the back comes a mass horde of very rude African Americans. There's no social distancing, and they were – it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, we're going to rush up to the front. It was like we are – like we're playing for the Georgia Bulldogs or something, playing fullback at Georgia, the muscling, elbowing to move other people out of the way. And it's just like we all have flights that we're trying to catch. I just – man, it was – just to, to to see that level of like disrespect – not only in terms of how you talk to people, because there was some language being thrown around and some racial slurs. It was great. Um, but also just it kind of like disorienting to see the physical contact given the current state of global pandemics. Um, it was just nuts and something that I hadn't seen in a while and hope to never see again. But I thought there was like a legit race riot that was about to break out because it wasn't just like uh, – groan roll our eyes there were some very combative people um not only the the group that was moving and grooving and boogieing their way up to the front looking like freaking cj ham there blocking for delvin cook but just the the people that they were um you know bumping out of the way and rightfully so were very upset so it was just a lot there was a lot going on um and i just kind of sat there with my head down and it wasn't just them. There were a lot of other people too who were doing the stand-up rush to the front of the plane as far as you can get sort of thing. So even though I should have been like the 50th person off the plane out of, you know, 120, I, I ended up being like the 90th person because every time you think it's going to be your, your turn, you stand up, you check your mirrors, you look over your left shoulder. Can I go into the alley or the, the aisle now? Nope, because there's a huge line of people passing you, which is just like... What do you do in that situation? It's just frustrating, um, especially with with COVID. Because I'm not trying to like physically cut in front of someone who is about to make a move on my row because I don't want to be in close contact with that person. Yikes! It was just it's always an adventure. But I tell you what, I get back uh, to Chicago uh, like what like 7 p.m. or something Saturday night, and it's daylight savings time ending that night so i did get an extra hour of sleep but back to reality back to normal and that uh my friends is a wrap on the new england road trip can you imagine if i had tried to do that all in one episode it would like be four hours long because there's so much i didn't want to cut out and i tell you what there's so much more that i could have shared with you obviously i gave you the best parts but there's a lot more that happened um and they you know 
what happens in the Green Mountains stays in the Green Mountains. So um, as a reminder, we started in Boston. We went down to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Manhattan, Waterbury, Connecticut, the pediatrician's room over to uh, Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame, the Finger Lakes, Ithaca, Cornell, ever heard of it, highest rank in the Ivy League. Uh, went up to Utica, Utica, um, up to Lake Placid, two-time host of the Winter Olympic Games, all the way up to the border of Canada, listen to some Montreal French radio over down to the world's tallest filing cabinet and uh, home of Bernie Sanders, Burlington, Vermont. We hiked Camel's Hump, scariest hike I've ever done in my life, icy, windy, and very cold at the top with zero visibility. And then uh, that also included a nice little poop in the woods. We stayed uh, at in this New Hampshire lodge with this owner who has been accused and had to pay out due to a hate crime. And uh, we uh, hiked Pleasant Mountain in Maine, which was very pleasant with a neat little fire tower. We went out to Great Wasp Island where I thought I was going to die a couple of times. And we listened to a lot of Boston sports radio. And boy, do they still miss Tom Brady. And uh, Leonardo's Pizza in Portland, great slice of pizza. That was our trip uh, with a whole lot of Dunkin', maybe, I don't know, 10 to 12 different Dunkin' runs in my six to seven days, a whole lot of uh, apple cider donuts from a number of places, and um, a lot of driving. I don't know the exact mileage, somewhere around 2,000. Um, you know, I was driving about six or seven hours a day, oftentimes way out of the way for one reason or another. But I saw a lot of things, uh, had a good time, and uh, it was nice to get away for a little while. I'll tell you that much. So thank you for uh, for tuning in to um, not only the four parts of the New England Road Trip, but today's Beantown Podcast. That's what I have for you um, next week. Some sort of Thanksgiving special. I don't know what it's going to look like, but uh, from my family to yours, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go, we're gonna settle in here, uh, watch some football, and uh, have a nice little relaxing day. I've already gotten a. I already walked three miles this morning. Got my groceries, so we are in here for the long run. Get some tune blast going. Check the tweets. I'm all set for some action. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, episode 150 of the Beantown Podcast. It's pretty cool, pretty exciting. If we end it now, we'll finish right about an hour, which is where I wanted to be a lot less, but that's okay. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe, stay sane. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to check in on you very soon. And have a happy Thanksgiving, which I already said like three times. And I'll check in on you soon, which is the second time I've said this. That's all I got. Um, ending the YouTube stream. Peace, YouTube. And uh, for those listening to just the audio, um, I'll check in on you next time. Bye. Bye.